Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to fucking help. We're comedy writers in Los Angeles, so we're taking those bad news lemons and making them into lemonade and Beyonce reference. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to another week of this podcast. Welcome back to The Antidote. And another week of this garbage world. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is that is very true. I mean, yet we are still on this spinning orb of garbage. This trash island called Earth. Trash island called Earth. Um, so, Amy, did you hear about this story? I saw it on Condé Nast Traveler that now oh, there's going to be 80-minute flights from London to New York. What? Like the Spanish designer Oscar Vinales, he made like a super like futuristic hyper strength <laughs> jet that can get from London to New York in 80 minutes, like just a little over an hour. I'm laughing at that because I'm just imagining black women's wigs flying off. <laughs> 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 off. Just like, pew. <laughs> just everybody ends up in New York all bald. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> that was too fast. I don't want to be on that fast-ass flight. There's something wrong with that. Why are we trying to that get here That is scary. We're not even supposed to be in the sky. Like, people are not supposed to fly. I mean, this is just concept art right now. Uh, but it's still wild that they're trying to do this. Why can't that guy do something else with his genius? Like, I'm just like, we don't need... Yeah, I want to get places faster. But sometimes it's like, don't try and be God. Don't try and fly too fast. It's going to fuck something up. Here's the technology that I'm interested in, Amy. Like, did you ever watch Star Trek? I have before. <laughs> Remember, they used to have those trans transporters. Like, oh, that's the shit they, they should like, be working on. And they turn into specs, and then they show up somewhere else. Yeah, that's the that's no, the technology. They shouldn't Grace. They will scramble us up. You will show up, but and I'm your saying, stomach will be on your face. Know, they have those like adventurous <laughs> people who want to be like the first person to do it. You know, there's there's human beings. There's human beings that do, like, human trials for, like, new medications and stuff. There's people who'd be willing to try it out. I ain't about oh to be. God. I'm, I'm <laughs> Like, before I get a transporter, you got to have that technology for a few years and make sure that nobody didn't get cancer or wh- whatever um, from it. But, I mean, if you're going to use your genius on something, then, you know. Grace, please don't get transported. You hear the science? <laughs> don't transport my friend. Because I don't want her to come out on the other side looking all weird. Her what face is on the back of her head. My head. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, Grace, turn around. She's like, I did. <laughs> but I'm here now real quick. I made it to dinner in five minutes. We're like, was it worth it? <laughs> well, that reminds me of our guest conversation because we did talk about travel with Naomi Paragon and she's oh, coming yes. up later in the episode. So I wish we really asked her if she was into transporting. Yeah, I wish we, we had asked her. Hey, we, we wouldn't need the antidote if we didn't have something to get an antidote from, right? Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. This first bit of bummer news is about holiday airfare. I read on CNBC that Quote, average domestic airfare for trips over Thanksgiving is $350, and international round trips are going for an average of $795. Both mark a 22% increase compared with 2019, end quote, meaning that this holiday airfare will be the most expensive it has been for the last five years. This feels a little predatory from the airlines, um, to be honest, because, you know, people want to see their families, like, during the holidays. So it's just really sad that, you know, a lot of people are not going to be able to afford to travel. And here's the thing, like life is so short. Like I've had some friends recently lose people very unexpectedly. And these are the times when you should, you know, spend time with your loved ones and your family. Yeah. I don't like that. They're saying good luck. 
to those people who have families far away. Just like, good luck. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> Broke niggas. <laughs> like, I'm just I mean, it's like, like capitalism. It's so... I mean, they're just like, huh, well, if you can afford to, then you can. But if you can't, sorry. You know, <laughs> that's my thing. I'm like, the plays are so old. You never get snacks anymore. They added a row. Like, it's just like, it's literally a bus in the sky and they keep raising the prices and they are now flying fewer and fewer and fewer planes because they don't have enough crew because people don't, don't want to catch COVID in the sky. And so I'm just like, it's just making travel abominable and it yeah. used to be a luxury back in the day and oh i'm like God. now it's like <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i was lucky enough recently to fly business class like for my job mm-hmm. and ooh, i was ooh. just like ooh, child this is this is not what it used to be <laughs> <laughs> have you ever watched that show the other two on uh hbo max it's yes. so fucking funny love i love it so yeah. much and there's a scene where they're in business class and like business class is so nice it's so nice not being in the back of the plane and then people just putting feet by their faces like <laughs> people seated behind them put their bare feet up right next to their face and she turns and literally hits a foot and it's like Wah! <laughs> yeah it was real it was real i was like the seat was very like like hard, <laughs> grimy, and just like Ooh. the 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 movies didn't work. It was busted. The movies didn't like, work. That's the whole point. And that's a that's a long flight, Amy. It was like six hours. Six hours too long. Well, mm-hmm. that's not the only bit of bummer news. Um, next up, we're gonna talk about Brett Favre. Okay, oh, former Mississippi governor helped Brett Favre secure welfare funds for his fucking volleyball stadium for his daughter. And I, this story, if you haven't heard it, you're living under a rock, but I'm going to tell you right now. I read it on ESPN. Brett Favre wanted money to build a stadium at his daughter's college, University of Southern Mississippi. So you're on notice too, USM. And he, along with former Governor Phil Bryant, took $4 million that had been designated from the federal government to be used for welfare funds. This is not alleged. It has been proven. We have seen the text messages. (laughs) Nancy knew, who was tasked with spending the money to help the state has already pleaded guilty to 13 felony counts for her role in the welfare scheme, which means they threw a woman under the bus for all of this, and knew is the one who released the text messages between herself and Brett Favre. It's totally disgusting to me that welfare funds, which were supposed to help those in need in the poorest state in the nation, were used for a volleyball court. But also the other thing that's offensive to me is that Brett Favre is a shitty-ass scammer. You better learn to scam, my nigga. Literally, mm. why was he sending text messages being like, is this a scam? Paper yeah. Trail. Will people know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a bad I scammer. I, I, when I see shit like this, I was just like, how small does your heart have to be? That part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and he better hope that there's no hell mm. because they are going to send him to the hottest piece of hell. Like, he literally stole food out of poor children's mouths what is he, the Nestle to build a volleyball court. That's crazy. Like, and then also, why is he not in jail? Like, he's, we've seen the text, like, everybody knows he did this shit. Yeah. So, like, why is he, like, chilling in his mansion where the fuck he lives? Because I don't even know. Mm. Um, and so, like, why is he not in a jail cell right now? Like, are, are those children going to get their money? Like, what what is going on with this? I mean, I, I have to say, being a rich white man is just the best get-out-of-jail-free card You're that anyone wrong. could ever have. I, I read a great quote by writer Chris Burke mm-hmm. um, of SB Nation, which is like the fan club for uh, the Packers. He said, Brett Favre soiled the Jeep and bamboozled us all. The player was a legend. The man is a legendary con artist. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, Chris. I'm like, this man is it. And I just love that he said he bamboozled us all because literally he did. He bamboozled his own state. And that governor let him. That is a true bummer. Um, And the fact that he doesn't seem to be facing any serious consequences when, you know, people are literally killed for selling cigarettes on the street or people are shot down for, you know, at a traffic stop for no reason. And he just gets to steal millions of dollars from poor children and and mothers and and people who need it. And he just gets to chill in his mansion. Anyway, how do you feel, Grace, talking about this shit? Well, not the not the best. I mean, that whole Brett Favre thing is such it's it's like a tragedy. It really, I just really think about the people that didn't get the services they need because of that man. And then also, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, it's sad that people can't travel during the holidays to see their grandma at Christmas. That's sad. Yeah, I, I'm upset about all of this, too. But that's why we're going to get into the antidote. Let's get into it. So this is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. What was your antidote this week, Grace? I'm here in New York right now, um, which is great. I have been hearing about something I, I, from a friend of mine. Uh, she swears by this one kind of massage. And I was just like, you know what? It's the weekend. I'm about to start going into production, all that different stuff. So um, let me try this out. So I got a lymphatic drainage massage. What is that? Basically, we have lymph nodes, you know, Mm -hmm. all over our bodies. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a system like other uh, bodily systems. This is what it was told to me. Please, if you're a doctor and you're like, that's bullshit, I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> this is what was told really to me. Whack science. A lymphatic drainage massage is people physically pushing fluids through your body what? so you can eliminate them, I guess, either like by peeing or sweating it out. So there's two parts of the massage. So there's the actual massage where she's like pushing the fluids. Uh, and then there's. What does this mean? Like you're like, peeing while she's no 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 you're not peeing it's just like they do it and then within the next few days it helps to like depuff you debloat you oh she was saying that a lot of times people do it right before like a big event like a wedding or like uh celebrities do it before a um before a red carpet or something because it's basically draining like a lot of excess fluid out of your body by the way that she manipulates it. And honestly, I could tell the difference right after I looked at my stomach, I looked at my legs and she even put my hand on certain parts of my body. And she's like, feel that she's like, that's all inflammation. Like my upper leg, it was all inflammation. And then afterwards she's like, feel it again. And it freaked me out because it was so much flatter. (laughs) That I Whoa. I was used to my thigh being. I don't want my lips so um, anyway. So there's two parts of the massage: the actual massage, and then she sprayed magnesium on me, and then wrapped me in like ace bandages, and then I went and I sat in the sauna for what? a half hour. Yeah, I just felt like a lot healthier. I felt like less puffy, less bloated. I like it. I want to try. I always see it. I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? A lymphatic drainage? It just sounds so clinical. So now I. With your encouragement, that's a great antidote. Yeah, I, I just want to warn anyone: if you do try it, it's not relaxing. You know, if you're if you're going there for like a relaxation moment, it's not super relaxing. The actual massage part is not super relaxing because she's like digging deep. But once you actually get into the sauna, that part was super relaxing. Oh. And then what's cool about it is that like you literally see the difference right away. That is a great antidote. Uh, So what was your antidote this week, Amy? So I recently was interviewed in Glamour UK about the ways that I put wellness in my life, especially considering um, not only the writing program I started, but also this podcast. And one of the Mm -hmm. things I said in the article and that I actually actually was my antidote this week is celebrating. I think Mm. so much of the antidotes that we have are about going inward, taking time for yourself, being solitary, recharging. But I actually think celebrating and living in the now of your achievement is an antidote. And um, it's something that I used to really struggle with. I really still struggle with it a little bit. And so sometimes I really put effort into having intentional celebrations. So Mm -hmm. one thing I did this week was um, I started a production company a year ago called Super Special. Um, You can follow us online at Be Super Special. And, um, And it's our year anniversary. And we've done a lot in the first year for a small company um, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to celebrate it and also to celebrate it with the people that we've been working with Mm -hmm. and the people that have supported us. Um, And in some ways I'm like, have we done enough to earn a celebration? But I'm also like, who cares? Yeah. On whose metric? Um, So yeah, exactly. So it was really, really wonderful to be able to celebrate my team in -hmm. front of the people who are, um, you know, supporting our projects and to get to have a night where we were focusing on our strengths and how we've grown um, Mm -hmm. over the last year, as opposed to thinking like, what's next, what's next, what's next? Because I think I 
always as a Virgo, I'm just like, well, you're doing okay, but like, you've got more to do and that wasn't that great. And what's next? And this was a moment where I was like, I'm not living in the next, I'm living in the now. So finding some time to celebrate. Amy, I'm so proud of you. It's been so beautiful to watch you in the past year, like do this company, like your, your writing program has been so impactful. Like all your writers are like, you're, they're racking up wins, you know, they're, they're assisting people, they're getting their work out there. Um, you shot a short film. I mean, like you've done so, so much. So I'm so glad because you are a person that loves to work hard, which is great. But I'm glad that you took a moment to be like, wow, I've done all this in one year of my company. So that that is a beautiful antidote. And I think that, you know, we can all learn that lesson. I, I also am a person that does not always celebrate the good things because I'm just like, what could go wrong? Wait, exactly. I can't celebrate it because <laughs> it'll... It, it might go away if I celebrate it. Might it might go away. You know? So I think that that's a great lesson for, you know, everybody listening that to celebrate your yourself, you know, even when you're working hard, you know? Yeah. And honestly, as a true introvert, like celebrating takes a lot out of me. So I'm real yeah. tired. And now I think I need a lymphatic drainage massage. <laughs> so um, audience, if you guys tried any of our antidotes at home, let us know. Shout us out on socials with hashtag that's my antidote or leave us a voicemail. Uh, guys, we can play them on the show. Leave yes. us a voicemail by calling the number 833 833- Six eight four three six eight three. One more time. That's eight three three six eight four three six eight three. And leave us a voicemail sharing your antidote, and we will share it with the world. Yes, and if you didn't catch that, we're gonna make sure that we also have that number on our social, so you can hit us up. Um, we would love to hear your sweet voices, um, and hopefully play one on the show soon. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to The Antidote. We have a special guest today. Who is it, Amy? Our stunning guest is a writer, actor, and comedian. She is a native New Yorker whose mom hails from Detroit and whose father is Nigerian. Oh, that's Grace and me, so you see why she's our BFF. She co-hosts a podcast with her husband called Couples Therapy, as well as another podcast about Lifetime movies called I Love a Lifetime Movie. You can see her on TV in Mythic Quest and hear her on Central Park, both on Apple TV. Friends, the phenomenal, amazing, and spectacular Naomi Ekparrigan. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Of course. But it's all true. Also, she got some banger uh, stand-up specials on Netflix. I mean, I didn't even talk about the stand-up specials, but then I would have had to keep talking because I would have started naming all my favorite jokes and then this would have gotten long. Yeah, it'd be forever. (laughs) Yeah. Check her out on Um, Netflix, y'all. So, Naomi, you are very, very impressive, but we aren't here to talk about your many accomplishments. We are here to get deep. Yeah, let's check in first. Ooh. How are you Ooh. feeling today? Like, for real, not small talk. Is there anything weighing on you? Well, I mean, look, look, I'm going to tell you this right now, ladies. <laughs> Woke up at 7 against my will. Oh, no. <laughs> Took the dog out at 8.30 to 9, okay? Mm-hmm. Then laid around Eight. from, like, 9 to 11.30. Tried to make a ramen oh, I saw on TikTok and my stomach still Oh, from home. scratch? I took a, I took a nap. <laughs> Well, it was a quick one. You know how they be oh. giving you quick, easy recipes. And I like saw the thing. I was like, wow, I actually have all of these things in my mm-hmm. house. And I said, I'm going to do this with an egg on top. And now it's breakfast. Nice. And, mm-hmm. you know, I regret so, it. I, I regret it. I mean, it. here's the thing. Oh, what I heard is today you were a professional dog walker, a chef, <laughs> and part of a sleep study. So yeah. I don't know. It feels like you had a very You had a productive-ass day. day to me. <laughs> Wow, I, y'all are good. <laughs> I have, that's a good. That's a good twist. I have never attempted to make ramen, so the the attempt is really the victory. You know what I'm saying? Because I. That's nice of you, but my stomach was like, girl, <laughs> you mixed up some spices in a way that may not have been correct. So what there is it? spices? or like what was the problem? Too much salt? Too much spice? No, I think it was like too spicy. Mm-hmm. It was like. Supposed to be like zhuzhing up a packet of instant mm-hmm. ramen, but I was like, I don't want to actually eat the packet. Mm-hmm. But it was like, use the spices, like sp- put the spice into yeah. the packet, 
and then put in all this other stuff. Oh, and I just wonder if that spice, spice packet was not like a cute no, taste. No, Do you see what I'm saying? No. And I think it was just like too many. Because like I was doing that. I was doing Chipotle because I had to sub in for a Korean oh, I pepper. Wow. You know, I got no Korean no, you peppers. Don't. No, you don't. Then I got to put some honey. Then I got to put in some soy. Some sesame wow. oils. Wow. That's that, a, the other. assortment. Right. But then that's why I took that stuff mm-hmm. off. Like I thought without using the salty mm, like uh-huh. stuff. I was like, maybe it won't be. But I was like, yeah, there's really no way around mm. this. Like it just is a salty sensation. It's a salty but it was like a spicy. Salty. I made garlic chips. Oh, shit. This is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. That's what's going on in that tummy. That tummy's like, ma'am, <laughs> I was expecting salt, but I got cumin, coriander, and cloves. <laughs> why? <laughs> All before noon. It was like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You're an ambitious chef. You know what? I'm going to say that we we are here to raise our vibrations a little bit, make that tummy feel yes. yummy. So uh, let's get into it. This show is called The Antidote because life is hard and we all need different antidotes to deal with the bullshit. So what's your antidote? In other words, what's something non-work related that's bringing you joy this week or this month? You know, it's so funny because that is definitely something that I've told myself I got to make, I decided to make a concerted effort to find mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I noticed in particular, once I moved to Los Angeles, it really did become about work mm-hmm. in a yeah. way that, um, even though of course New York yep. is this place where you hustle and work, I just didn't feel the same, maybe pressure mm-hmm. on it, yeah, I think. Yeah. And so now it's been real. I'm like, oh, I realize I'm like, oh, I got to go do stuff yeah. that's not. Um, and for me, that has been, um, it sounds very simple. But I'm starting with just like socializing. Mm. Like last night I had a stand-up show. Yes. And I went up and then I stayed and watched the rest of the show. Hey, what a and hero. Like saw people. <laughs> I mean, I mean. I know. This is like something I don't do, yeah. but I realized I was like, oh, when I came home, I was like, oh, I'm in a better mood. And I think it's because I had a chat and I got to see other people doing stuff and even the stuff that wasn't good. Yeah. You know how sometimes when you see stuff that's not good, mm-hmm. it can be kind of helpful because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, well, I mean. <laughs> Anybody can take a chance. <laughs> oh, you know they're try. up there failing. <laughs> so what am I mad at? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, why am I so hard on myself? Get up there and just start talking. Yeah. Um, so, and just, you know, I saw some people that I hadn't seen in a while and it, that felt good. It felt good to, because then I made it not just about the act of doing yeah. the set, mm-hmm. And all the attitude I have, where I'll be like, we starting late. And, uh, who these audiences? And, uh, you know, whatever. I made it, it had a little more to it than just the work part of it. And I got to start making myself do that more. I really got to just, like, get out there and interact. I I really love that because it's, like, it's about, like, making sure, just like you said, that the work part of it doesn't take over. And -hmm. I think as beneficial as it can be to see people bomb, you can also see people who are really good. And either way, you're going Mm -hmm. to get inspiration. And either way, it kind of returns you to at least, in some small way, the mental state you had when you were new and you're there for the first time and just enjoying it. But that sounds nice. Okay, can I tell you something? Another thing I do for Mm -hmm. my own joy? Yes. I do not believe in posting deadline Mm. articles. Okay. okay, I said it. I said it. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And like when someone posts, it's not like I'm sitting there going, it was wrong with you. I'm like, I get it. You're excited. You want people to know what mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of this business is in creating the illusion. And that illusion is in posting that article. <laughs> okay. You're like, look at me. You know? Okay. But I despise it because I think it serves to feed into into the peacocking and the strutting. And like, because it's like, think like we all know that by the time something's been posted, it's like, it presents something different than what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to do it. But then it's like, I'm always like, but I don't want people to think it's not because I'm not like proud of what I've Mm -hmm. done. And I'll tell anybody in a conversation if you ask, but there's something about posting the feathers, posting Mm -hmm. the peacock feathers, you know, that that I just, it it just like, it. Ugh, I'm not good at it. Also, it's like, I'm not famous, too. And maybe uh, that's because I'm not good at social Ms. media. Because I don't like to You are, uh, wait, are we gonna do this? Like, literally, like, <laughs> are you gonna bet for a couple TV minutes? Like, you literally, you are a TV star. You have touched David like, Letterman's beard, bitch. Second, yes, what are exactly. you talking about? <laughs> what? Studio B knows no, who no, you I'm are. Not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you performed at the King's Theater in Brooklyn. I was there. I was there. <laughs> Oh God, we were young. <laughs> we I know young we were then. so young. Oh my God, the youngest. <laughs> I remember you wore 
a beautiful black one-piece jumpsuit. And now at my ripe age, I'm like, you can't wear that. It's too hard to go to the bathroom. But back then, (laughs) we were cocky and we wanted people to know that one strip of fabric fit our body. It was such a time. It was such a time. That's all I need, one closure. It was so beautiful. (laughs) I remember being like, you got me into my jumpsuit era. I think you really did. I feel like I was like, oh, I I need jumpsuits. And then I traveled one time in a plane with one and I was like, this was a mistake. Oh my God, you gotta get full naked to use the bathroom (laughs) i was like this was a mistake no no (laughs) no 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 jumpsuits on aircraft in a public situation like you like the thing pools like you have to kind of hold it up so it's not pulling on the ground you know what i'm saying there's just a lot of acrobatics that needs to happen and then if you got a bag sometimes guys (laughs) i put the strap on my bag in my teeth i'm not gonna lie (laughs) i've done it before I don't want to put it on any surface of this bathroom. I will hold it. I don't know about my, being in your mouth. I don't know. You Honestly, go you in your might mouth, girl. be immune. I think you might be immune to monkeypox. Oh, well, you might. Did it for a reason. <laughs> um, so what would you say your favorite place is? And I asked this very loaded question, as I know this often turns into a New York versus Los Angeles uh, discussion. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't have to be either one of those cities. It could be um, like someplace you vacationed. Like wh- where is your favorite place to be? Okay, I'm going to tell you this. I'm actually not going to give you a geographic mm-hmm. location. What I'm going to give you is a swimming pool mm-hmm. by myself. <laughs> On like an 80 degree day. This, that's okay, so not for me. so hot. Not so hot that you, you know yes. what I mean? I love, there's nothing I love more than being in a swimming pool. I thought when I moved to Los Angeles, I was like, swimming pools would be everywhere. Like, the <laughs> like give you a pool? <laughs> I know. I was like, every house has a pool, right? Um, there's something about being in the pool. When I was little, I took swim lessons mm-hmm. really early on. Because my mom didn't know how to swim and she really wanted me right. to make sure I knew how to swim. So I was like learning to swim from maybe age six. And I just really like it. I like this feeling that you can like kind of be weightless. You're so cool and comfortable. Mm. I don't like it when it's heated. I'll tell you this much. Uh, I don't like a heated pool. I want that water crisp. Yeah, why would it it be heated? That's what a hot tub's for. I know, but people heat their pools. Wow. And I say, give me that crisp cold water. I love that feeling when you first step in and you're like, too cold, too cold, too cold. And And then then you you submerge yourself and you're like, now I'm good. Yes. I love that. Like, honestly, just thinking about it, I'm like, "Mm." and like whenever I travel, I want an Airbnb that has its own pool. Like, that's the thing. Oh, oh, necessary. That makes me feel very decadent. Um, And I just don't like random. So (laughs) that's why I say it has to be empty. Like 11 a.m. in the middle of the day on a weekday. Yeah, not a public pool, a private pool. Yes, exactly. Well, the last time I went to a hotel, you know, and it had a pool for everybody. and But I picked it because it was like, it had a separate pool for children. Nice. And then a pool Get for them adults. Out of here. And I said, yeah. yes, right? Kick them little kitties out. Thank you. However, when we get there, the pool for the children was closed. So everybody in these pool, these no. goddamn children. Okay. Mm, oh, no. I no. lost my mind when this, this man, he had a little... He had a little boy, hadn't he? Maybe two-ish. And he keeps, and you know, little Nico. You know why I know his name is Nico? Because the father keeps going, Nico, quieres papas? Nico, quieres papas? And he's giving the little boy french fries in the pool. No, you better stop. You better stop. Tag on the Nico, play. no quiere papas. Okay? So then, no. every french fry his father would give him, he would drop he it, puts in it in the pool. Oh. He would just drop it. He was like, I don't want this. And I was oh. like, why do you keep giving? Like, I was so mad. I was like, stop giving Nico the papas. And he just dropping them. And I was like, and then I was like, I'm out of this pool. I have to leave I'm here. sanitary. <laughs> you were in a wet potato pool. <laughs> like, That's that. disgusting. I was in a wet hash brown. <laughs> yes. And I said, not today. <laughs> not today. Nico. 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 Get out the pool. That is a flag on That's the That's infuriating. Mm-hmm. I know. I was like, he does not want these. Like, that's what was killing me. I was like, why do you keep offering them to him? He's like, not eating it's them. Such a he game. wouldn't let it go. That's insane. It's such a game changer to be at a hotel or a resort or a pool place that has a separate pool for kids. It's such a game changer because you're just yeah. like, oh, I can float. Well, you yes. know, I can barely float. My body don't work that way. But <laughs> yeah, I can sit. I can stand <laughs> in my own water and not be worried that it's suddenly going to get warm because a little kid peed in it. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, <laughs> that's serenity. That's serenity to me. Yeah, maybe and I are not swimmers. Um, I... Literally, a friend told me recently, and I'm, I'm going to, like, organize this at some point, but that there's a man, 
a man in Arizona that can teach adults to swim in four days. So let's at go. some point, <laughs> we we doing it. Wait a minute. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's find this man. Exactly. First of all, honey, there's no water in Arizona, so I don't trust this. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Naomi, you know, I want to hear you talk about the word most. You've talked a lot about how adding this word has changed your routine. What has it brought to your life? I love this. I think that certainly, yes, we've all, you know, everyone talks about how society has shifted and this notion of mm-hmm. cancel culture and all that. And for mm-hmm. me, instead of thinking about it like that, like I'm going to get canceled, I think it's about just being a, we are so much more aware of the diversity of experience and existence mm-hmm. than we were even 10 years ago, let alone yeah. 20, let alone we were children. And I think that to me, it is so uh, easy to account for that mm-hmm. and still say what you want to say yeah. as a comedian, yeah. as a writer, as a person, because I think that Sometimes stand-up is just like, say something outlandish and then figure out how to justify it, you know, on the back end. Or like, (laughs) take a big swing and then you'll get to it later. Um, And I certainly think that for a lot of people, even now, those big swings are in the generalizations. You know, they are in women be like. I mean, when we all grew up Def Jam, it was white people this, black people that, right? Like, it would just Mm -hmm. be big blankets. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, it was funny and it could be surprising when you're like, oh, you've put this thing together that I've never accounted for. Or you've spoken to an aspect of the Black experience that like mm-hmm, other right. people don't talk about. Like there, there's some value in that. But I think now, and I think the three of us are this example, like the three of us grew up as those nerdy Black girls who yeah. at mm-hmm. some point people were saying talked white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now here we are, I mean, writing the Blackest things on television. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. also, I think we've all come to, you know, people stop, I think people have stopped doing that. Or I think they do it a lot less because there's now a the realization less. that, you know, blackness contains multitudes. Yeah. Right. Gender we contains multitudes. Sexuality contains multitudes. You know, and so, you know, you can still um, temper your language and still say what you mean. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and not paint with a broad brush. Yeah. But still yeah. get the, you know, still get the point across and make sure you're not, you know, needlessly offending people. I think it's it's also like, you know, I want I just want to be liked. I'm not up here yeah. trying to get on stage and say shit that makes people mad and then yeah. you know, and then it's like, well, at least they're talking about me. Cause you know some people just feel like they want to get yes. a rise. Yeah. Just want the conversation. No, mm-hmm. I know. Even if it's I don't negative. Want no conversation. Yeah. And you can <laughs> still be funny. I think sometimes there's a feeling that um uh, comedy comes from uh broad brush painting mm-hmm. but it's like actually there's a lot of comedy in choosing the way that you be selective with how you say what you're saying which is something i love about your comedy because you constantly do that so um Thanks, i man. i yeah it's just always i i'm always like yeah evolve evolve the comedy evolve yeah. it yeah and there's so much universality in specificity yes or yeah. universe i don't know how i if that's word how i said it was how it's pronounced I loved it. universe Universality, but also universality. Like, I know what you meant. I know what you yeah. said. It, you know? uh, yeah. Specificity. And I think that the people who are so comfortable not caring, like that something hurts people, have never been bullied. Now, I've been yeah. bullied. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've been bullied. Same. So, we have that know. in common. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I went to like a Republican Catholic school for the first nine years of my Yikes. life. And Ooh. so uh, nine years of my education. So I know what it's like to be bullied for race, for gender, mm-hmm. for how you present yourself, for how you talk or whatever. And so I never, ever want to do that to anyone. So if somebody yeah. from a community is like, hey, don't say that. Don't call me that. Don't um, discount my experience in your comedy. Right. I'm more than happy to do so because literally the reason why I got into comedy or the reason why I love comedy above everything else is because I like to make people laugh. I like to yeah. um, give people joy. And if something that I'm saying is not giving a certain community joy, then I want to stop doing that because that is not my intention, you know? Right. So um, I, I, th- I love that you do that because I think it's so important for us as, you know, comedy writers, comedians, 
to uh, ha- keep having that discussion that it's not just like, oh, cancel culture, you can't say what you want anymore. Like, no, when you think, actually take a pause and think about it. Mm-hmm. As a Black person, I'm just like, don't call me the N-word. Don't make fun of me for being sassy or whatever. Yeah. I don't like that or whatever. And if somebody had just been like, oh, okay, I'm not going to stop doing that because you're too sensitive, I, I would have feel some kind of way about that. Um, right. But right. Um, anyway, let me um, move us to another question. <laughs> Naomi. <laughs> Naomi. Um, is there a piece of art um, meaning a book, a play, a show, fine art that has had like uh, an impact on your life. Was the, is there something that was just little young Naomi was just like, ooh, this I want to be an actor or I want to be a comedian. Like there was was there some sort of formative piece of work for you? Well, it's funny because to the you know my first dream was to be a writer. That's mm-hmm. what started it, and that's so cool. I was obsessed with you know books. You could always just find me in a corner reading a book. And this is uh, not a high art, but I started out mm-hmm. obsessed with the Babysitters Club. Same, yes. and was oh and I gosh. was like, I'm gonna. I was like, I'm gonna write books, and I'm gonna write books about girls, for <laughs> girls, and like that was like my <laughs> thing. Doing it was girl like shit, <laughs> girl, girl stuff, and then <laughs> hanging out, being girls, liking boys, and babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was like, I was like really obsessed. And that was something that very formative for me in the beginning. And just like when I say I have I had all the books, they had like a babysitters club, kids club, which is mm-hmm. kind of like a mail-in thing. I had doubles. Yeah, yeah. We donated all of my books to the library because I had duplicates to the point where you just had a full oh. set of the books. <laughs> my God. So we gave them to the library on 135th. I was like, take it for the children. We need to give this <laughs> to another generation. Um <laughs> That was like, that was huge for me. I think it was writing way, I mean, I did want to act, because, and I would say too, like, you know, growing up in the 90s, there were so many mm-hmm. black shows. So it was easy yeah. to see like, oh, I want to do that when mm-hmm. I was little. And then, yeah. but I still didn't know how, you know what I mean? The TV felt like a magical no box, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But writing, it was like every birthday, probably through high school, people would just give me journals and pens and like, all, you know, yeah. and I love, oh my God, give me stationery. Give me a cute pen. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love a little notebook. Were you a Lisa Frank girl? Well, come on. Yeah, Of course. <laughs> of course. Same. I had the stickers. <laughs> I had the notebooks. And oh God, do you guys remember jelly roll pens? Yes. And they come in, like the metallic mm-hmm. and like all that. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. And then when they dried up, you'd be so upset. <laughs> dry up before the, half the pen was used. They weren't meant to last forever. Because the thing is, is that I realized when I was younger, I wrote so much stuff longhand, and now we don't do uh-huh. that. So no. my pens be lasting for years at this point. Because <laughs> I was just like, oh, I don't, like, my dad sometimes makes fun of me because, like, he'll be like, do you have a pen? And I was, and I was like, no. And then he's like, how are you a writer with no damn pen? I was just like, that's a good, fair point. Fair point, dad. We write um, digitally, but- dad. <laughs> But yeah, I, I still, love the Babysitter's right. Club. That was my shit, too. Wait, like what? that and Nancy Drew, you know? Yes. Oh, my God, Nancy. Also, did you guys ever read Goosebumps? Yeah. Goosebumps and Fear Street. Yes, read Fear Street. Yes. I was like, I'm grown. I'm reading Fear Street. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh so good. God, so yes. True. Books were books were that bitch. Some of this stuff, like, yes, I read the kids' books, but some of the stuff has fucked me up to this day because what I got into too young was romance novels. Oh, yeah, romance um, novels. I was reading those at, like, age 10. I'm like, what does it mean that she is engorged what member is with Sarah Robbins? Member? What does yes. that mean? <laughs> okay, V.C. Andrews? Did y'all, I read Andrews. that way too early. <laughs> Flowers too in the Attic. Early. Oh, well, for me, it was an author named Amanda Quick. And the reason why I got into Amanda Quick was because, you know, most romance novels, like the woman's like thrown back and the guy's like kissing her neck or something like that. And so I would be too embarrassed to like take that out. Uh But Amanda Quick, she had that, but it was on the inner cover. So so the the top cover was just like a plain (laughs) color. So Uh I could, so I wasn't embarrassed when my librarian friends knew I was reading freaky books. I'm laughing because the librarians knew they're going to hear they knew. <laughs> but my, they my 11-year-old knew. brain was just like, they, they ain't finna know. Knew. They ain't finna know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, <laughs> like, my Here comes God. that horny toddler. <laughs> Check out her butt. But for some reason, too, I imagine little Grace, like 10-year-old Grace, for some reason, is wearing a business suit. Yes. And so it's like, I'm imagining a little girl in like a fancy outfit checking out. Like, I was like, I'm going to put these novels. books in my briefcase. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> these are my briefcase. My Jansport briefcase. See you yeah. tomorrow, Cheryl. <laughs> I know. I mean, that, I mean, I read the Madonna sex book that way because they had one at the library. Yes. Like, yeah, I would use the library, yes, for education and for children's books, but also learning some for grown porn. stuff that I was not ready for. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like for you, Naomi, like Babysitter's Club was really formative. Like that was like uh, the series that that sort of started putting in that feeling of I want to be did. a writer. It did. I went I went to like book signings to meet Anna Martin. And mm-hmm. there's a picture of me like 10 years old. I mean, the glasses were Coke bottle. <laughs> the braces were shining. And I was so nervous. And oh what's so gosh. funny about it is that like, because my mom has this picture. Anna Martin was like the dowdiest white lady. She was giving us like white turtleneck with like a sensible sweater over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like a brown. Like, she was like, and the fact that I was tongue-tied. You would have thought that I was oh meeting my like. God. It, like, you would have thought I was meeting Michelle Obama or something. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was me just being like, and my mom was like, stand next to her so I can take a picture. And I was like, <laughs> and it's like, Anna Martin. I said, this woman is a rock star to me. And it's like, very, very regular. A regular. <laughs> yeah, because you're from Harlem. So this happened like mm-hmm. in New York. Things like this happened in New yes, York. Yes, 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 yes. We would go to things. We would go. That's the thing. I think my, you know, my mom really got me into stuff early and, and like going to shows mm-hmm. and, you know, we'd always go to the movies and, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day we used to be able to sneak into like we'd go to pay for one and then we'd see two more, you know? Yes, yeah, you could just be yes, free. Yes, and yes, so like, that's a Saturday. Oh, I used to exactly. Do that too. So yeah. that was like always our, you know, so. She introduced me to a lot of stuff early in a way. Like, that's why to me, it's like, I loved growing up in New York and I know tons mm-hmm. of people who feel like the city is so hectic and I can imagine it's maybe hard to raise a kid there, but it's also sure. like, there's so much stuff you can just go there's have so him do. Things. It's just yeah. like, go, go Museums are free. You can just like walk in and be like, mm, babysitter. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, go learn something and just realize like, okay, that person's a murderer and that person's not. Like my mom would even tell me, she'd be like, you can always ask an older woman for directions. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like if right. I got lost woman. or confused in a space, she would tell me to <laughs> ask good. an older woman, period. That's so good. And it was like, yep, that's what I'll do. And then if I get scared or confused or don't know whatever, you know what I mean? You just go to somebody yeah. and then. Yeah, I've become that older woman, I think. <laughs> at, at, at a grocery <laughs> store, a random kid yeah, asked so me Yeah, literally children come up to me I all the time. Me. Like, she's, she looks safe. She's never hurt a person in her life. Um, that's great. That's I love being though. trustworthy. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, so, uh, another question for you, Nate. Mm. Um, What do you love about a Lifetime movie? Like, obviously, you have this whole podcast about yeah. it. Um, and, you know, I have seen some Lifetime flicks myself, but <laughs> I, I am not in deep into the canon as you are. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. please tell us, um, what about a Lifetime movie is iconic to you? Okay, now look, I'm going to tell you this about me right now. I love a procedural, okay? Mm-hmm. I love okay. my criminal minds, my law and orders. Mm-hmm. And it. I think in my lifetime, my preferred lifetime movies are the thrillers, you know, are the mm-hmm. scary ones. I don't oh, really right, need right. to watch a rom-com, like a lifetime mm-hmm. rom-com. And so I find the lifetime thrillers to be very much procedural, okay? Mm-hmm. I like the structure of it. I know what's going to happen in the end. In the end, a woman will fight for justice. Because this <laughs> yes. is what I'm saying about Lifetime. <laughs> Lifetime is very ACAB, okay? Because, like, in every movie, it's about how, like, the cops don't do it, so then she has to do it herself. You know what I mean? Like, her and her friend. Because inevitably, the cop is like, our hands are tied. Or they're like, we can't find anything. And then it's like a woman in the woods, and she, like, kills a man with a tea kettle or something. You know, she, like, hits him over the head with a tea kettle. And I find that very satisfying. Mm. Um, I also think that there's a lot of wish fulfillment in the kitchens, mm-hmm. in the yes. homes. Yes. You know, there. no matter what you do in a Lifetime movie, you have a kitchen island. Okay? Yeah. That's just yeah. it. Yeah. You have multiple baths. Made of Cesar mm-hmm. stone, marble. Honey. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The best exactly. of materials. <laughs> like, literally, I was like, you're a substitute <laughs> English teacher? And, and you all own of property? your cupboards are glass? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay, I love this world. And so that is my Well, favorite. let me tell you, as somebody from the Midwest, 
or whatever. That can happen in the middle of the country. <laughs> you, oh. You're a coastal bitch, so you don't know about these cheap prices. <laughs> you're right. But, uh, you're right. You, can, you can be a substitute teacher in Michigan. With an island. And uh, have an island. <laughs> a kitchen island. A kitchen wow. island. Wow. Oh, Naomi, uh, we feel so much better now that we've talked to you. This oh, my God. Yeah. I feel better talking to you. I think I'm going to get some stuff done today. You guys are giving me my second win. <laughs> I love it. I love we are it. happy to do that. Uh, always. I mean, shit's still, I mean, we still in America in 2022. I know. But, uh, <laughs> but. it sucks a little less because we've talked to you today. Ooh. Yeah. Do you have anything coming up you want to tell us about? Anything you'd like to plug? It can even be something you love, not something you worked on. Oh, um, no. I'll plug myself. You can yeah, see me it. in the new movie, Me Time. And yeah. that also stars Kevin Hart, Regina Hall. You know, oh my so that's gosh, gonna be a fun. One. It's a fun family film. And then, you know, when uh Jody comes out next year or whatever, <gasps> you know that Naomi has a role in that as well. So oh, you know, check for her yes. when you see Jody coming out. I'm you know, so check for excited. her because she she's one of my star studded casts. Well, uh, I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you what I did, Amy, and I'm not afraid to tell the listeners. I said, <laughs> Grace, you got anything I can say in Jody? You got any parts? <laughs> That I could audition for. Listen, yes, and, Naomi. And I, said, yes, Naomi. and I said, I am not a bu- I said, I've known Grace too long to be coy. I've known her yes. too long to be coy. Yes. And then Grace, so, you know, sweet, she's like, well, you know, a lot of the main parts are already cast. And I was like, Grace, I don't assume I'm going to get a main part. I would like to play Lady in Store, who says move. <laughs> like, I'm fine. <laughs> and she did it. Yeah, she made it happen love, for me. And that's what killed happens it. when we win. Oh my she god, killed it. she killed so it. I just got so inspired. <laughs> Grace has a show, and she cast her friend. Yeah, I sure because did. her friend is amazing. It. Yes. It's not just, you know, it's like it literally is like what is the thing? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Like, yeah, it's like you already. Is that the same? I don't know. The yeah, that's it. But the point is. You could ask that not just because you're her friend, but because you She's have an great. amazing voice and it deserves to be her. Yes, oh, you a thousand guys, percent. you guys, I'm gonna listen to this episode over and over. Please do, because um, we need the ratings, you. girl. <laughs> well, actually, can you, can you listen to it on multiple devices? Yeah, just like... <laughs> send it to your mom. Send it to your therapist. Uh-huh. Send it to your mm-hmm. husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, ninety yeah. percent of our audience are my two parents who listen to it multiple times a week. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Where could uh, people find you on the internet, Naomi? Visit me on Instagram. That's where I'm having the most fun and you're seeing the most dog pics. And that is <laughs> Blacktress Comedy, spelled exactly the way you think it's spelled. Because I was on these socials back when I had a day job. And I had oh, aliens. Yes. So yeah. now that's okay. what's up. So visit me and as always, listen to Couples Therapy. Mm-hmm. If you like a Lifetime movie, listen to I Love a Lifetime movie. Look, I'm giving you something every week. Okay? I'm yes. giving you something every week. She is producing <laughs> she content working, y'all. on a regular basis for yes. you. There's, so there's no reason that you can't consume something, <laughs> Naomi Paragon um, on the weekly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> come on. Come on. Thank you so much, Naomi. We love you. We Bye. love you guys. Bye. Bye. Okay. To close us out, we are doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quote? I sure am, Grace. Okay. Creativity doesn't wait for that perfect moment. It fashions its own perfect moments out of ordinary ones. And that's from Bruce Garibrandt. I'll read it one more time. Creativity doesn't wait for that perfect moment. It fashions its own perfect moments out of ordinary ones. Bruce Garibrandt. Um, that's a cool quote. I, I do agree that creativity doesn't wait for that perfect moment. And that for me, it makes me think of like, not waiting for inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like you just got to move forward with what you're making and and hope that m- inspiration comes through the process of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second part, it fashions its own perfect moments out of ordinary ones. Um, sure. I, I I don't, I don't know if it, it, I guess maybe the word perfect is like um, mm-hmm. bumping me. Like maybe like it fashions its own moments out of yeah. ordinary ones mm. because I'm sort of like, what is a perfect moment, I guess is what I'm thinking. But overall, I do like the quote. I think it's speaking to don't wait for inspiration, keep living mm-hmm. because through ordinary life, by doing things that you always do, but also like even breaking out of the norm and doing different types of things, but just by living, creativity will eventually find you. Mm-hmm. So that's what I hear from this 
quote, Mr. Bruce. What about you, Grace? <laughs> what does the quote make you think? It makes me think about all the times where I've just randomly gotten creative inspiration out of mm-hmm. like nowhere, you know? So mm-hmm. sometimes I'll be turning something over in my mind. I'll be trying to untie a story problem or fix a character or I don't mm-hmm. know what dialogue should go in this scene. And then I'll sometimes put it down. And sometimes when I'm in the shower, that's when I get the answer. Sometimes when I wake up first thing in the morning, sometimes I get the answer. Sometimes when I'm uh, like at a concert or like just somewhere out in the world where it is not convenient at a party or whatever (laughs) to like get that. And then sometimes when I'm drunk or like, you know, zoning out at the end of the night, like that's when I get the answer. And what I will say to everyone is that that moment you get the answer, even if it's an inconvenient moment, you need to record that because there have been so many moments where I'm like drifting off to sleep and I'm just like, I have the answer to that problem. Sleep, wake up in the morning, the next morning. It's just like, oh, Jesus. I, I don't remember <laughs> what I, I know. I, I remember that I had the answer. I just don't remember when the answer is. And, you know, the good ideas, I think, always do come back. But it puts you through so much because you're just like, oh, man, I had solved that problem. But, but it was not a convenient moment. So I... It makes me think of all the little ways that just living life, like sometimes will give you that answer. I once got an answer from a story problem when I was in the grocery store um, buying kettle corn. So I think that it's just that creativity doesn't always wait for the perfect moment when you're sitting at your computer or when you have the perfect time. Sometimes I'll be driving and I'll find it out. Wow. It just reminds me of all the moments where I've gotten answers to creative questions when it was not the right moment to do so. <laughs> but that's kind of cool. I feel like this this quote for me was like a little figurative, but mm-hmm. for you, it's like almost literal. Yeah. It's like creativity doesn't wait for that perfect moment. It fashions mm-hmm. its own perfect moments out of ordinary ones. You be yeah. driving, girl, and I hit you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, that's cool. Oh, no, yeah. So it's like, that's what she should do. You know, and sometimes it's because I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to some music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beyonce's Renaissance. Oh, still love it. Oh, um, but still. anyway, uh, that is what that made me think. So uh, thanks for listening to The Antidote. We hope that this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at GracieAct. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe and rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And get out there and socialize. The Antidote is hosted by us. Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. The show's production team includes senior producers Sierra Spragley-Rex and Marcel Malikibu. Our executive producer is Erica Kraus and our editor is Erica Jenick. Sound mixing by Derek Ramirez. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by Titi the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio Executives in Charge are Chandra Kabati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org or like we said, you can call us. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's V with two E's, y'all. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media.